This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Heads of Studios in Dublin, welcome to Mother Folklore, a podcast about words, Irish, Irish words, and words from Ireland. I'm Dara Gaucher. I'm Clodagh McGinley. And our special guest today is Eva Finn. Kia ora. How you getting on? <laughs> Grand, how are you? What was that word you just said to me? I said kia ora. It's a Maori word. It means um, hello, goodbye, thank you, oh. uh, literally be well. It means hello and goodbye. Yeah, be a bit well. like ciao. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Multi, is this multi-purpose. like the drink Kiara is named after? Yes, it is. <gasps> Controvert. Yeah, and they have. They're Ki- not pronouncing it. Kiara. Mm. Yeah. Kiara. Yeah. So yeah, it's because yeah, yeah Kiara was obviously a staple of Irish childhoods in the nineteen eighties. Yes. Famous also for their highly inappropriate ad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's just no dressing up that ad. No. It was just plain out racist. God, yeah. I wish I was old enough to remember. Oh. I'm a 90s child, 1995. <laughs> well, one of the reasons I've invited Aoife to speak to us today is because she, in addition to having the, the bit of Gaelica, she is studying Te Reo. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, kind of. Okay, Te Reo, <laughs> which, is, do. Uh, which is the Maori language. And recently the New Zealand Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, yep. uh, had a daughter. In office, well, is that the first time in history a prime minister has a daughter, not a child in I think office? It's the first or the second, but it's pretty. Well, it's pretty, yeah. pretty flipping cool. cool. Yeah, and we're all for it. And you know what? If I mean, maternity leave is a right, and and having employment recognize a person's right to have a child in while they're working is a right. And so, if if it's a right, it must apply to a prime minister as well as to yeah. the lowliest consultant. Yeah. <laughs> And but, but what struck me as very interesting was that she named her daughter in two traditions with an Irish name and a Maori name. Yes, I was really hoping for a Maori name. I had, was like, I hope maybe maybe just a middle name or something. And uh, then when the name was announced, um, Neve, um, obviously, which is Irish and means radiance. And then Te Aroha, um, which means um, the love. So oh. I was dumbstruck. It was just really nice. It's, it's lovely. Yeah. And um, she, so Jacinda Ardern grew up in a place called Morrinsville and sort of the local mountain, the local Maunga near there is Te Aroha as well. So it kind of, it relates to her, oh. where she grew up and it means the love and it's a Maori language name. So it's really, it's really it's rich. Gorgeous. It's lovely. Yeah. That is gorgeous. Yeah. It's a fantastic name. Hopefully it'll catch on. 
Yeah. <laughs> and so it's um, there's there's interesting points in that. I've been following you on Twitter for a while, and you you tweet very interestingly about language, particularly about Tereo and Irish. And I've I found myself I found myself more and more interested in the similarities, not just the the interesting points between both languages, but also the history of the languages and their engagement with the state, with people, mm-hmm. uh, the how how languages are, are are represented culturally, how they're represented in laws, and I'm really looking forward to chatting cool. to be, be chatting to you about them today. But Thank first you. of all, I gotta ask, how did you get into this? Oh, it's so random. Um, so I was looking for an assignment for a syntax class in Trinity College for my master's for Dr. Brian Nolan and he sent us out said you know go find a cool language and uh, write something about it and I was in the library in Trinity and a lot of people were doing um, Polish and French and which are great languages but I just I wanted something a little different and um, I happened to pick up a reference grammar of Tereo Mori and um, was immediately kind of very struck by it. It's, I've never seen anything like it. So, I mean, this Polynesian language written in the Latin script, um, it was, you know, it looked so different. And um, I kind of did things a bit backwards because I I wrote the syntax uh, assignment and then I did my master's thesis on the syntax of it and was getting more and more sort of taken with the language. And then, um, then I started to like the, you know, like the language. I was like, oh, I think I'd like to learn it. And then I started to learn it and then I went to New Zealand and then I sort of fell for the culture. So I did, I suppose, mm. the, you know, people usually maybe they go on holidays and they fall for culture and then the language and then the linguistics. And I did it the the other way around. So it's <laughs> kind of been a funny, a funny little journey. But uh, yeah, just pure good luck on my part to, to come across such a, a wonderful language. It's really nice. Isn't it just, yeah. and obviously there's um, a shared history in some way, in some points with Ireland and New Zealand, shared love of rugby and the square house and those, <laughs> those sorts of things. <laughs> But obviously, there's um, Irish, the Irish alphabet. We've spoken of this before. The traditionally, there's um, there's eighteen letters, or yeah, there's eighteen letters, and then there's those additional eight, what we call the hateful eight here, <laughs> of which were introduced as part of modernization that some people still don't recognize, especially people who don't speak Irish. Weirdly, they're like, oh, you shouldn't be using a V in Irish, man. I'm and I'm a little bit like that. <laughs> I have to come clean. It's yeah. Not to be like the V just like, looks so sticks. abnormal. Yeah, it does. I it like sticks out like sore thumb. I like the bulge and all that. That's mm. nice. Like anyway, yeah. but yeah. So, so Tereo was was existed happily for years without a written form. Yes, very oral uh, culture and society. And then when the missionaries came around 1814 1815 they started to write it down and obviously because they were from europe they used the latin language or the latin alphabet even so this is all happening around the same time as the famine yeah interesting Mm -hmm. but the what is it also there's only 15 letters of the latin alphabet they're using is that correct that depends who you ask so they have uh 10 consonants or rather 10 consonant sounds Mm -hmm. um two consonant sounds are represented with um two letters each um but that's just an accident of history and then they have five vowels um a, a, e, o, u. um but some people feel that so maori recognizes short monophthongs short vowels and long vowels and they're phonemic so they change the meaning okay and some people feel that actually tereo has 10 vowels so that a and a and e and e are you know that's they're different oh 
And it really depends who you are. I mean, I'm not a phonologist, but I would kind of like the, the, the speakers themselves mostly intuitively feel that there are 10 vowels in Tereo and I would place a lot of weight and importance on that. Um, and it is phonemic. It does change the meaning. So there's some fun and famous examples. Like the father's changing meanings. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Although I think in, in so for the Macron, um, which is what marks vowel length, it's like a flat father. It's like a tohu to. Um, it doesn't... It doesn't change vowel quality typically. It's just length. So okay. yeah, um, the famous example that we always, or learners are always sort of learning is um, um, keke, which means cake. So you could say hey hey keke mau, would you like a slice of cake to your guest, or you can say hey keke mau, and that means would you like a slice of my armpit. <laughs> so that is the yeah, that's the famous. We really want to hammer home. You need to get your like vowel length right, or you will have you will <laughs> come with a lot of faux pas. So, yeah. Gosh, yeah. That- that could end very badly. Yeah. So it's people yeah. are, some people are really into armpits. <laughs> Maybe. Into a strange place. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> for another episode. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. So kind of in, in that respect, you, you can see why people feel that no, this is a separate, this is a separate vowel sound. This deserves its own letter status, if you like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is really only a matter of orthography, anyway. But yeah. okay. So which letters would you tend not to see in? Tend not to see. That's a good question. Um, so you know, sometimes when you know a language, you don't remember mm-hmm. what they don't have. Um, they don't have L. Um, they don't have. Let me see. I don't think they have B L. Um, what else? S. No I S. Think. Yeah, I don't think there's S. Oh. No, there is no S. Okay. Yeah, no B, no L. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, they have a nice sound, a nice letter that I really like. It's uh, so it's like a a velar nasal, so it's like a like the ng sound in um, singer, yeah. and I really like that. And it occurs at the start of a lot of um, words, like um, ngaro, which is um, wave, or ngahuya, who is a very dear friend of mine, and I mm. like that. That's a letter that's it's represented by an n and a, and a g, um, and yeah, so. Can't remember what they don't have. I know that sounds silly. But you okay, know. Well, that's, <laughs> fair. that's probably the way I phrase the question. Yeah. <laughs> they don't no, have no, a Y and an X and a oh, yeah. V. I think. I think they stick that. those at the end of yeah. the alphabet because they're the lesser yeah. used letters the in Q. general. Like yeah, they have ten consonants. Yeah, so there's quite. I mean, they don't have. They have mm-hmm. sixteen. That were, well, they're missing, not missing, but they don't have sixteen. Mm-hmm. I think. No, that's. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's good. It's good. It's good. We'll get there. Okay. So the, obviously the most famous uh, Tereo word people know is Kiwi. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And that which is understandable because that's got, got three. But there are other, uh, are there other better words. That, um, that we'll, we'll get onto the, the neologisms later, but the, any um, so other nice words. The actual name for New Zealand in, in Tereo is lovely. It's fabulous. It's Aotearoa and um, it means the, the land of the long white cloud. And the the story goes that when the when they came from the Maori came from their uh, sort of ancestral homeland, they were in their their waka, their canoes, and one of the guys said, "Oh, I think it was Kupe, saw the you know this land with the long white cloud over it, and he said, "Oh, hey, Aotearoa." So that's that's the land of the long white cloud. Yeah, it's quite. Nice. God, why would that be an Irish tear scamal? Please, now I'm going to embarrass myself. <laughs> I just graduate with a degree. But so it's um. <laughs> Is there another um, Tereo word that, that's, that's that's particularly lovely? Um, well, there's some words that have kind of passed over, I suppose, into New Zealand English. So people will talk about kai. 
Um, and that's food. So you, so you want to get some kai, go for a kai. I got some. Is that K-A-I? K-A-I, yeah. And Isn't that Wayne Rooney's son? Yes, name? yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't know whether I should say that or not. <laughs> but yeah, that's when I see kai, I see food, which is such great. <laughs> um, but people talk about going for kai, getting some kai, had some nice kai. Um, and then another one that's kind of crossed over, I guess, is hui, which is a meeting or a gathering. So we had hui. Um, and a little bit less so is korero, um, which means to like a chat, banter, crack, discussion. Yeah. Bants. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was interested in that, uh, in the actual history of New Zealand itself and how that touches in with the language. And I've, and in my discovery, the first mention of New Zealand in the, in, in British Parliament was the Murders Abroad Act. Oh. But yeah, I know. Oh. That they actually had special, they initially worked out that there was a legal loophole was identified that if you killed someone in, in a colony, you couldn't, you may not necessarily be tried, could be held to trial in a British court. Wow, that's useful. There was, brief, there was briefly a loophole <laughs> where you could just do whatever the hell you wanted. <laughs> but then they brought in the Murders Abroad Act and that oh. mentioned New Zealand, but did not cite New Zealand as being a British colony at the time. Okay. But a couple of years later was the, um, more famously, the Treaty of Watangi. The Waitangi tr- uh, Treaty, yeah, Waitangi, uh, like tongue, ah. <laughs> Waitangi, yeah. Waitangi, excellent. Waitangi, yeah. yeah. Can you tell us a little about that? Or? Um, yeah, so, um, the, so obviously Captain Cook came in um, 1769 and then that followed other settlers, the Dutch and the British and whatever. And eventually um, there was a lot of trading for, you know, um, whaling and all sorts of things. Um, and eventually in 1840, I think, um, the British signed a treaty at a place called Waitangi. And um, so there was sort of four core parts to that. The first one was that the um, the Maori would cede sovereignty to the crown. Mm-hmm. The second one was that they would give the the right of land purchase to the crown. And the third one was that they would have rights as subjects. And crucially for Te Reo, um, the fourth one was that there would be protection of what Maori called taunga. And taunga means treasure, and it, it really means anything that, that is valued or important. Um, and in Te Ao Māori, in the Māori world, that's that's the land and the seas, um, the natural world, but also Te Reo, the language is a treasure. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's kind of where, that's the start of the agreement. But the problem with the treaty was that, first of all, um, the translation, there was an English version and a Māori version, and they don't match. Oh, so obviously, then first of all, they don't match, and That's then translation exactly, <laughs> yeah. and and then secondly, the implications of the treaty weren't properly explained to the Maori, oh. and crucially and thirdly, um, the promises the to British would never do that. No, no, <laughs> they're not the sort to do that. Thirdly, um, they did well; those sort of promises weren't adhered to anyway, and the language mm-hmm. wasn't protected. So yeah, so it's kind of yeah, okay. mm. it's kind of a sore spot. Yes, still, it still is. Yeah, it's ongoing. <laughs> sort of um, trying to, except there's the, the Waitangi tri- Tribunal, which I think started in the 1970s. I could be corrected on that. And um, it's an ongoing tribunal to redress mm-hmm. where the Crown didn't meet its obligations in terms of the treaty and anything in the treaty that was not adhered to. It's fascinating. It's been going on since the 70s. What was I think it's 1974. Yeah, I'm correct. Yes, it is. 1975. <laughs> oh. So what was particularly interesting was that the um, I know that um, David Lang, who's a uh, New Zealand Prime Minister, brought in a, a Language Act in 1987. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. And then that the, this was ap- appealed vigorously by opposition people who did not, um, people in New Zealand who didn't really see the value of a Te Reo Act or Te Reo yeah. legislation. And it was actually eventually upheld in a British court. Yes, that was the, I think at the time, that was the highest court in the land in New Zealand. Specifically, the for those who are interested, <laughs> it's, it's the Privy Council. Yeah. Um, I think that was the broadcasting assets case. And um, the Privy Council upheld the ruling. Anyway, they said that no, the Crown has an ongoing obligation to assist in the um, protection and development of Te Reo and that eventually I mean that was one of the probably steps that led to um, the what is now Maori television the Maori language channel and I think in its present form was into that came about in 2005 I think yeah so the Maori answer to Tiji Yes, exactly. Yeah. And a, a lot of people came here to speak with um, a lot of uh, Maori broadcasters have down through the years come down, come here to chat to people in, in Tiji and get some advice on what to do. And what but how to do it right. Yeah. A bit, bit, bit of passion fashion. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's interesting to see that, the, that the, the Kiwi experience was to come over here and see how we were doing it. Yeah. Um, I think the most recent delegation was here in um, the Maori language minister. Um, at the time, the Ururoa Flavel came here in, was it 2017, I think, and he spoke with people in Tiji mm. yeah, to get some good advice. The fact that around the time that the, the Language Act was being brought in and the fact that Privy Council was the highest court appealable mm. was around the time that there was a movement in New Zealand to not have the Privy Council anymore. Oh my mm. So people feel really, really deeply about language. Mm, and yeah. it's, it's, it's a funny thing it goes, and I'm just wondering what lessons we can learn from that. And do you think yeah. that the... So how is, what's the, what's the Te Reo language program, the channel called? Uh, Maori television. Just Maori television. Yeah. That's, that's easy to remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think there's, a, there's another channel, um, well, there was another channel called Te Reo, which is entirely in, Ma- in Maori, mm. um, whereas uh, Maori television has mixed programming. It's actually really, oh. it's a really good channel. I, really, I watch it here, I stream it like when I can. Oh. Yeah, it's cool. Um, a lot of fun, a lot of language. It has a lot of um, language learning shows, which are mm. like really innovative. Um, and I, I'm not aware. We may have some here like that. Mm. I'm not aware of them on our on our on our TV, but they're really good. They're fun, and like if mm. you're a language learner, it's really it's they're excellent. This is the, this is the kind of the um, the alchemist's gold is finding a way to learn language through entertainment and the idea is do you just and we generally go with the immersion model in ireland the idea is you know we're just going to create a space where everything's irish all the time mm-hmm. but i have to say sometimes even i'd be watching cartoons on tg car when las is playing when my little daughter's playing and seeing if she just shows any interest and even i'd find they speak the kids cartoon characters speak so fast mm-hmm. anyway yeah. i even i'd find it hard to follow some of the stuff whereas mm-hmm. they, maybe the door the explorer model which and, she, and whoever makes dora they don't understand how kids think because when Dora's on, Lost is watching the screen. Yeah. And um, there's, um, they, they generally focus on getting maybe three or four key words yeah. to remember to each episode. And I, I, can't, I wonder if that actually might be um, a, a model worth following. But yeah. one, of, one interesting thing um, in Te Wananga Aotearoa is the largest um, tertiary organization in New Zealand. And they sort of would follow the value, a very Maori, I suppose. Um, take that you learn very well through music mm-hmm. and when you sign up to their um home-based learning packages or when you go to their classes you learn an awful lot through song and movement and i attended some classes and at first i i was going gosh i wonder does this work and it but it actually does um and i think the proof of that is so i 
Um, they they were very kind and they gave me a load of CDs with these kind of um, nursery rhymes. I, well, not really nursery rhymes, but sort of kids songs and Te Reo Māori. And of course, as a learner, I play them all the time. They're really good. Um, but I play them in my car. And if I give my mother a lift, you know, they're playing. So my my, my mother in Dundalk knows like the random Maori vocabulary for say like um, farmyard animals she'd be like oh yeah hey hey that's a chicken or mm-hmm. Raki Raki is a duck or she picks it up just by singing the songs and What's a duck? Raki Raki <gasps> Raki Raki but my mother that's her favourite oh. Maori word but well. she just from listening in the car and mm. um, hey hey and uh, um, oh there's loads of them but yeah they're her favourite words it's kind of interesting that just in the background and people will start to recognise and pick up different things I have to say I love hey hey for a chicken it's brilliant yeah. <laughs> Fantastic, honestly. Yeah. They, do you say that though about language is that like if you listen to it for 15 minutes a day in the background like you will start to pick it up and it is so true like even I remember when I was studying languages like you do pick up random words here and there that you didn't think that you knew yeah they and, you know, work their way in like exactly, in your room. Yeah. yeah and what you were saying about the dancing as well is really true because like there is a method of teaching where you can you know i forget what it's called it's something it's kind kinesthetic of like, is it or something yeah like it is like it's kinesthetic in its method like yeah. it's something response something yeah and that's when you say the teacher will like jump and say the word for jump in a language and then you will jump and you know that's kind of how you how the word gets ingrained in your mind basically yeah. is by the movement of it you know it, it absolutely works yeah. it, from the class and I I was very I wasn't surprised I just had never experienced that type of yeah. learning and it was really really made an impact yeah and it's fun you know it's really fun yeah, yeah. definitely so it's, it's kind of a it's, a it's a positive learning experience yeah. that you take away which is so like, it's crucial you know and how widely spoken is Tirao still now in New Zealand? Do you find, say, compared compared to how Irish is, is spoken in Ireland or? Um, that kind of depends. I mean, so there are certain. The official figures are that there are, I think, one hundred and twenty-five thousand speakers. Um, mm-hmm. but that obviously their level of competency varies wildly. Wild. Is there some census bragging? Um, I think I suspect so. <laughs> yeah. Um, Not like here. And <laughs> I think probably there's. Fluency, they estimate, depends on who you ask, but there could be anything from 20 to 50,000. But um, in terms of sort of just my my experience, it really depends where you go. You could be in in like Te Wananga o Aotearoa in a, in a, in a, on campus and you will hear Te Reo spoken all around you. Mm-hmm. Or um, my friends, and again, it's just we only speak Te Reo. They, on, they only speak Te Reo. That's the main language of communication. And then you'll sometimes... You go into supermarkets, you know, like in Tesco here or Dons or whatever, and you have the the Maori word as well as the English word, and then other places you don't hear any. So it's very. It depends where you are and who you're mixing with, really. Mm. Um, but it certainly is possible if if you want to and if you're interested to find environments where Te Reo is the is the main language, is the only language of communication. That's really nice. That's nice. It's really cool. I never forget sitting in a, I think it was a canteen in Te Wananga in Wellington and. Just Maori speakers all around me, and I was like, "Oh, this class." <laughs> so do they nice. teach us? Do they teach it in schools the way that we would teach Irish? No, no, it's not compulsory um, mm. yet. So there's, and again, there's kind of a debate about whether, like, that's the way to go. Um, some people feel that learning through compulsion is not the way, and um, and other, you know, those sort of people also think that they want only the people who are interested in it and mm. work really hard in them, put all your efforts on the people who who love the language. And, and if people aren't interested, that's fine. That's OK. Mm-hmm. But mm. there's this it's this it's an ongoing debate. They have they do have Maori um, language. So they've got Maori language preschools. 
Kohangareo, which literally translates to language nest, which is really cute. Oh, that is cute. Yes, that's really. And uh, Kohangareo, and then they have uh, Kurakaupapa Māori, which are schools, um, literally translates to sort of a Māori ethos school. Oh. And they have, they, they speak Māori there as well. I'm not sure to what degree. I think it's, you can know, you can get sort of streams or you can get full mm. Māori language schools. But um, yeah, so that's an the compulsory thing mm. is still very much a, it's a hot kind of a hot topic I can imagine and particularly I suppose the fact that maybe Mary is particularly linked to one one particular group in New Zealand as opposed to seeing as being New Zealand wide but that's is that changing um I think I think slowly it's changing I think um perhaps I'd like to I would like to think maybe is probably a more accurate way of saying it mm. that there are a lot of um Pākehā and that's New Zealanders who are, who are not Māori Pākehā um who also feel a connection to the language. I mean, they're New Zealanders. They, they've been there for, you know, a few hundred years. And, mm-hmm. you know, that. so they're on this land and Te Reo Māori is the language of the land. Yeah. And and I think, I mean, I, I know a lot of Pākehā um, who are friends of mine and they very much feel a very deep connection to the land and to the language. And I think that's a, a, a gradual change. It's very, it's nice, you know, it's it's heartening. Um, and I hope it will continue that way, but who knows. So actually, um, Maori language classes are they in the last year and a half, I think they have um, the supply doesn't meet the demand. They have, oh. Yeah, which is fantastic. There was one of the big report really released recently and they can't. They, I mean, they have too many people wanting to take the classes, which is a really encouraging sign across all schools and colleges. And That's fantastic. Yeah. There's something there's something you, in the air. You got it on the ground floor. <laughs> <laughs> but um so when you mentioned there the word for the the language nest for the the uh, Terreo kindergarten and something we often talk about here on mother folklore is new words in irish and yeah. how we form new words yeah um, do we form them should should they be as different as possible from the english yeah. word or should we reflect the way irish speakers will just stick in a new word in when we don't have one yeah. i would love to know you know, compared to how, say, we uh, we come up with mollus busry for a spice bag, or do we go biaglia? <laughs> we have these debates, you know. Um, I like biaglia. I'm sticking with it, and I would love to know how they do this in Tirao. Um Yes, it kind of depends. They have there's a Maori Language Commission, which was founded um, as a result of the Maori Language Act, mm-hmm. um, and part of their remit, um, although now they have a, a core group of translators who mostly do this, but part of their remit is to um, come up with Maori words for these new concepts. Um, and I think probably the most important thing is that they the words retain a Maori flavour. You yeah. know, they're Maori in their essence and their worldview. So they try to look for, um, for example, they try to look for I suppose new words for new concepts, but that are grounded in Maori culture and tradition okay. from old words. So, like I think a good example is um, ahokore, which is wireless, and aho means it's actually it's wire, but actually it's the um, it's fishing rod, like the traditional fishing line, mm-hmm. and kore is no. So no fishing line. <laughs> oh, no fishing line. Yeah, so that's very kind. Of, again, it's taking from the traditional vocab and. A that's, new concept. Which that's is like Iterlene nice. was the word for like it was, it was yes. a trap that had a net within a net, like mm. an internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, it's, uh, yeah. And there was one beautiful one you shared was uh, the uh, Tirao word for autism. Yeah, Tai, uh, tai Watatang, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I find that tongue, a tongue twister, but it okay. means in your own time and space. 
Oh, which gorgeous. is really nice. Yeah. Yeah. It, there's a lot a lot of um thought and consideration kind of they really deliberate over it. It's really it's nice. Yeah. And that's, um, that's, that's, do you have a third? Uh, <laughs> um, oh, well, a really, a really simple one, but one that I think is really good in, in terms of the sort of the issues that it raises. So Maori has um, had or has had a word for car, motoka, which is obviously motor car. Motor car. Motor car. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, more recently, the, the, the common word is waka, so which is canoe. Yeah. And the Maori came from Hawaii, from their ancestral homeland to New Zealand, to Aotearoa in canoes. And canoe kind of came to, the waka or canoe came to mean any form of transport. Mm. Um, so the sort of the mod, so there's been a, a semantic shift in the meaning. So okay. it's kind of, it still means canoe, but it can also mean car. Okay. And that's kind of, it's a Maori view of um, transportation. Mm. Now. It, is it true they call it a land canoe then? Or just is this, just we use the canoe. Just waka, yeah. Just waka, waka. But some people feel <laughs> the waka, that waka. that <laughs> the sort of the waka, the term waka has this um, a sort of um, a prestige. Um, it's called mana, really, in Te Reo, mm. but the, a prestige or a sort of a, I suppose a sacredness um, because of its history, because of its ties to mm. to the ancestral ancestors on the ancestral homeland, and that waka therefore really is a word that should be reserved just for canoes, and it shouldn't be used for cars that is kind of you know it's some somewhat bel mm. belittling the the the, the prestige the of the significance it. of the community. yeah i've I, that, that was a sort of a new perspective um the most common word in my experience is waka for car but mm. i i like it i think it's great it's it's a maori perspective on a modern piece of machinery um it ties in like your ride or your wheels almost yeah yeah, yeah your your yeah your means of transport and another cool one is um so the word for computer um hiko is Origin originally it was lightning and then when electricity came in it became mm. electricity and then so um, the word for brain is roro so roro hiko is a computer which is an electric brain that's so cool that or if fantastic. you go very far back lightning lightning brain, brain. yeah wow. so wow. but again that's from a very maori kind of worldview maori perspective it feels maori it's not just a, a, a transliteration which is kind of nice mm. like like motoka but it depends on your perspective and some of the terms just pop up anyway amongst mm. speakers and they stick you know because so, i think of that say we um we often have this debate sometimes the you know, when we talk about cars in irish some people say car and some mm. people say gluishton i love gluishton and gluishton yeah, yeah it's, it's great it means motor i was thinking there i wonder if you if like land curl would be the and people would be highly affected but it's yeah. it just sounds gorgeous in the in the yeah. in the kiwi context yeah uh, uh, airplane is waka rangi, which is waka canoe rere fly and rangi to the to the sky to the heavens so wakarere mm. rangi so which is a canoe that flies in the sky which is wow. fabulous that yeah is gorgeous. yeah yeah and before we wrap up i have one new zealand red question the guy who works in my uh in <laughs> the guy who works in my wine shop <laughs> the wine shop i go when i'm picking up a bottle of wine for bring home to mrs mother folklore <laughs> uh, apparently there aren't enough pinot grigio vines in new zealand for all the pinot new zealand pinot grigio we see in the uh, shops yeah we're being conned. I've I've heard similar things about manuka honey as well, and it's manuka honey. Not yeah. manuka. Oh, no, it's manuka. The, ma the first A has a macron, has a tohu to, so it's oh. manuka. So there's an yeah, but um yeah, apparently the amount of manuka honey that is sold all over the world does not equal the number of manuka bees. bushes and bees and yeah, mm. New Zealand. Yeah. Ma manuka is a 
plant and the bees get their And because pollen. New Zealand aren't in the European Union or any equivalent body, there's no one to hold them into account for this massive fraud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's the beginning of it on Mother Folklore. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> it's our next project. Come <laughs> Okay. Well, so. Yeah. <laughs> and before we, we go, go, Eva, do you have a favourite Irish word? Um, I'm a real fan of just like crack and scale because I like the way you can ink. I like scale. Ink scale. I like that. I I did a presentation on this the other day in work. Oh. <laughs> I was talking about Irish English and Irish language terms that have crept in and hmm. laba and guna and I think it's funny because a guna isn't just a dress, a particular kind yeah. of dress, and a la, and uh, laba as yeah. well yeah have, has different contexts and scale. Yeah. A sh- and not every story is a scale. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just mm. I like those ones that have kind of crept in and they're they're used. Mm. It's nice. Absolutely, the happy stowaways. Yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah. And on that note, it's a slant from me. It's a slant from me. And it's a tenakotu from me. <laughs> we'll catch you next time. Hi, it's Clodagh here from today's podcast. Thank you so, so much for listening. You can rate us on iTunes. That would be much appreciated. Thank you very, very much to Brian for producing today's show. And thank you to Kristen Jewell for doing the artwork. Mother Folklore is out every Friday on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Thank you for listening. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. If you want to get May the Force be with you tattooed in your arse, why don't you just say get May the Force be with you? Why'd you have to have it translated into Irish? Yeah. <laughs>